religion, politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be. So we were starting to do some research on this week's episode, kind of in our in-between time, and it started to actually become good content. Uh, we were looking at the Atlanta uh, shooter uh, that went on a rampage killing people, and as we started delving into it, um, we decided this is actually this might actually be pretty interesting to follow just live. Um, so this week I've got JJ and Eli with me. Hey guys. Hey. What up? Hey. And we're gonna just kind of pick up where we uh where we started. We we just kind of started talking about the Atlanta shooter and uh uh racism and um you know how, how he, he killed a lot of Asian people, but then they're not actually all Asian and it may actually not have been racially motivated now yeah go ahead, go ahead Eli no, no you're you know that uh, that's the big thing that I've noticed and I mean um, this there's been a major like move toward this stop Asian hate campaign which is absolutely awesome and I think yeah. well deserved and timely and and good and legitimate um, because there has yeah. been an uptick in crime towards Asians uh, as since the coronavirus. Yeah, considering we had a, a president who decided to directly call it the China virus. Or the Kung Flu. Um, yeah, and the like how racist is that? The Kung Flu. Uh, is, I, I love a good pun, but that's just fucking dumb. Anyway, but yeah, I like I like dark humor, but when you're doing it with the intent to disparage, yeah, th there's not even it's it shouldn't even be controversial that it's immoral. Right. Agreed. So, so Robert Aaron Long, he's a young guy. I don't I don't have it pulled up how old he. He is, but he's in his 20s, isn't he? He's 21 years old. Um, and uh, what was the date for that? Uh, I cannot have it. March 16th. March 16th, this guy decided to start rolling up into massage parlors in the greater Atlanta area. He killed, I believe, eight people, if I'm not mistaken. Right, yeah, it was, it was eight. Eight, and then it was eight, and then one... Um, that was assaulted, that survived. One, one got shot, but didn't die. Okay, okay, so one of the eight. Um, and then four of those killed were of Korean ethnicity. And I, I find it really interesting. The biggest blunder of the situation on the police's, the, as far as the police go, was the police uh, made a statement that it just seemed like the guy was having a bad day. 
<laughs> or, um, well, I mean, there was also the comment, the one police officer said he may have had a sex addiction. Yes. And see, I found the sex addiction comment very interesting. And I found the he was just having a bad day comment fucking ridiculous. I've had a succession of bad day for uh, about, uh, you know, two years for the most part. And I haven't gone out and shot anybody. I would consider myself a former sex addict. Oh, I still really like sex. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I never went and shot anybody over my um, sexual repression issues, my my shame or uh, anything like that. So I'm very interested in the factors that may have led up to this outside of the normal um kind of narrative of it which was this is a a hate crime i think there was even like a post made that like it was a fake post from a fake account um that was claiming to be his account that was you know anti-covid kind of rhetoric or anti-vax rhetoric and made it seem like it was kind of a manifesto call to arms type thing um, but later on it was fa- it said that it was falsified and, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this kid is, uh, it, it's really interesting to me. What do you, well, I'm going to shut up. You guys talk. I, I find the sex addiction comment interesting as well because I don't believe in sex addiction. Right. So, uh, go, Yeah. Go go on, man. Like like let's approach. <laughs> let's really dig into all that. Well, let's first, because uh, I want to know if that's actually what it was. Because um, kind of where we left off was we found that not everybody in these spas were Asian. Uh, just the majority of them. I don't actually have the ratio. And there were some males for... killed as well, weren't there? Some, I don't some, know. I don't remember. I think there were some um, white males murdered as well in this process. I'm also kind of looking for. There was a website. Do you remember the name of that website that all of those spas were? I already um, have it pulled up. You do. Okay. What was the name of that? Oh, don't ask why I already have it pulled. Up. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> you know, yeah, you had that. You've you've got that website. Describe on the lock. site for us. I yeah. will. What it is. What its purpose First is. First off, I'll point out that you can pull this site up using google interesting like it's not some weird dark web tour router kind of website right mm-hmm. now that being said the site is called rubmaps.ch that's what it was now it's called rub maps r-u-b m-a-p-s <laughs> and on the title page it starts out, thank you for visiting RubMaps. We appreciate and value all our users. RubMaps is 100% user-generated. Users submit the location of the business, pictures of the business, and also the reviews. None of these have been verified by RubMaps. Therefore, it is unknown whether these locations are accurate, if the pictures actually depict the locations, or if the reviews are factual. RubMaps is not affiliated or associated with any business or individual on the site. <laughs> Rub Maps facilitates fantasy as it meets reality. Please enjoy the site for entertainment purposes as our goal is to provide an outlet for users to share ideas and stories with each other regardless of its veracity. 
In other words, it's a site where you can look for spas and massage parlors that mm-hmm. provide happy endings. That Tug and is, pulls. That is what users will say about it. But Rub they don't maps will say, say that. Rub maps will say that this website is dedicated to the fantasy of going right. to spas. Right. Which is just vague enough to be um, to get them off the hook for any kind of liability there, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, you know, if you're so, if you're, you know, like if they have nothing to do, it's 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 a weird legal stance because if they have nothing to do with any of these locations, are they? They're not participating in the prostitution if it's prostitution at all. I'm going to be. We have to acknowledge that we have to make an assumption here. We have to assume that these locations are legitimate. And an easy way to do that is, let me punch in my zip code in the search bar. All right, what do we got here? Hey, it already knows where I'm at. Creepy. <laughs> um, so it says IP there's addresses. one in Lawrence, Kansas. Let me Google. It is a massage therapist in Lawrence, Kansas. Now, how do we know that people aren't just... How do we know that this website hasn't built some kind of bot that's just crawled for massage names and then it just populates massage names when you put in a search location? Like, a way to analyze that would be to look at the number of spas it's telling me exist within so many miles... And compare that to the number of places that Google says that come up with the name massage within the same vicinity. So to see if it's kind of selecting some out. That would increase our chances that there's something unique about these locations. Uh-huh. So I'll just type in massage near me. Near me now? That's a weird suggestion. Now since I'm out in the boonies, this probably isn't the best test. But... The closest, let's see, what's my scale? That's about three mile. Where am I? I'm way up. Oh, it's good. I've got one, two, three, four within a mile of me. Wow. <laughs> but that's like, well, there's, there's, there's six, no actual, no, eight, like, ten. Proof that that's the case, you know, that these places are legitimately, uh, quote unquote, they're illicit in any way, yeah. shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. All we all we can say is, for whatever reason, this is listing places that, and it doesn't do it in the same metric that Google is pulling up places. It's very it makes it more likely that this is user submitted. Right. Because if it was artificially generated, it would be more likely that I would just see results that match, you know, Google. Right. The other anecdotal thing that I know is I know a person who has been to a parlor and received a... uh, Happy ending. Tug and pull. Now, I do not know what this parlor is, you know, like what location this was. Mm-hmm. I do not know if it was local, I should say. I just mm-hmm. know that it happened. It was years ago, 
and I know nothing about it because it's like this is the kind of hearsay that would not get admitted in court. So right. even my even my confidence is curtailed. The only reason it's not is th- there's no reason that I have to not believe the story. But again, like we can't even ascribe race to it. Right. Right. But well, I think it's a complete for people to assume that massage parlors that operate illicitly don't exist is not correct. And in yeah. some degree, they must factor into the equation of this character because there is a lot of media reporting that specifically denotes that this character had a cognitive dissonance between their pur- purity beliefs mm-hmm. and their biological preferences. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the big part of it, right? The uh, kind of the stereotypical depictions that more i think i think really if there's a racial issue at hand might be the stereotypical depictions of asian women um it could uh, be fetishization fetishization that is a hard word isn't it that's a hard word fetishization fetish fetishization fetishization man we're gonna have to put this on a blooper reel (laughs) Um, I actually was talking to somebody who is Asian and she was saying that that is like a thing that she has to worry about is being fetishized, Um, which is really like that didn't even occur to me um, that that's part of her reality. And if that's the case, then there is a very easy argument to say that this is racially motivated. Good point. Um, says but I don't, six, I don't, six of the victims were Asian, um, which, I mean, there's, couldn't there also be a chance that that's just kind of incidental for the type of, um, places that he's frequenting? Cause he actually frequented some of these too. Um, and yeah. I mean, there are disproportionately a lot of massage parlors that are run by Asian people. So that could be coincidental, right? Yeah, the New York Times, let's see if I can find it. The New York Times specifically says that the suspect was a customer at two mm-hmm. of the spas that were attacked. There were three spas that were attacked, I believe. And all of them were found on that um, uh, rub maps, right? Uh, if I remember correctly, yes. Let me try to do that again. Yeah. I'm looking to see if the New York Times article has a specific name. There's definitely names. I'll have to just find which source. All right. Which doesn't necessarily mean that all of them were, you know, places where you can get that done, but it is. it does mean that they are all on a list that he could have easily accessed and targeted because it's assumed that that's what those places do. Hmm. You know, they're, and, they're, go ahead. They're spending a lot of time, a lot of critique about the idea of sex addiction is the fact that, as Thomas said, there's not, in America, there's no diagnosis for any kind, anything relating to sex addiction. The WHO, WHO, does include excessive sexual drive as a diagnosis in their uh, latest version of International Classification of Diseases, but uh-huh. the DSM-5 does not. But it categorizes it, and I do think that this is correct, that it is an impulse control disorder, 
and right. not an addiction. Well, uh, just like, you know, inherently there are things that aren't addictive in and of themselves, but you can become unhealthily fixated on. Um, you know, like where crack cocaine is, that is addictive. Um, but, you know, working out, not necessarily, but you can get, you know, a, an unhealthy fixation or an obsession on it. Um, so I, there is a distinction there. And I, certainly I do think that you can have an unhealthy fixation uh, or obsession uh, on sexuality, which I have personally experienced. I just don't think it's the sex that, that is addictive. I think it's, it's, I think that's a symptom of other uh, deeper issues, which clearly, you know, he, the church he went to, um, he was struggling with some puritanical ideas, which is precisely what caused me to have an unhealthy fixation right. on sex when I was, you know, in that world. So that's why I don't really, I, I almost feel like calling it sex addiction kind of distracts from, you know, kind of the deeper underlying problem, which is right. puritanical views of sexuality. Yeah, I really think that's fair. And, and then uh, mixed with this guy's personality, if he's got any kind of other, you know, mental issues, uh, that mixed with it, um, this is kind of the, the extreme result of that. Mm -hmm. it, you know, like shame and growing up in the South, I mean, like the shame and not only that, the just overall kind of sweep it under the rug hush hush mentality people have about pretty much anything sexual especially mm -hmm. in like the in christian culture you know as as a kid the taboos and that weird balance between like fear and uh you know excitement and uh, shame yeah and like that that like um that excitement of like you might get caught type thing you know like there because i mean that late there's kinks for that people who who want to do it in public places yeah, but there's exhibitionism yes there's very much like a there's something that you can get off on the reality of uh, you may get caught or something like that. It, to me, it's really easy to see how maybe like the like a lot of the repressive issues that uh, Christian men have and maybe the reason why. I mean, because I think statistically, um, I think it's statistically, if I recall correctly, correctly, Christians um, have a, maybe even have a higher propensity of porn, uh, like porn use significantly. And, yeah. And, uh, the highest porn consumption rates in the United States come from Utah, which is also the most <laughs> the conservative Mormons. state in the, in this uh, yeah. country. Right. And then, uh, Christian leadership. I mean, the, the amount of Christian leadership in churches, um, that, that are using porn, is is a staggering amount like it's it's shock it's a shocking amount and i think a lot of that really has to do with um the more we feel ashamed about something maybe the more empowerment we give to it and 
the moment where I kind of like let go of like my views on sexuality, although I had been like, I'm, I'm a, uh, a porn free person. I, I don't, you know, partake in porn, uh, at this point in my life. But there was a point where I was finally like, uh, maybe there aren't like heavy spiritual repercussions like the church says there is, or, you know, maybe this is another tool that religious people have used to control men in the church, uh, specifically young men, you know, um, because that's a big part of, uh, the commonplace thing in the church that you see is this idea of the accountability partner (laughs) and that you, you are to, you need a person that you can go and be accountable to, um, as far as your purity goes and, and porn use goes and stuff like that. And, um, it really, my, all of my experiences with accountability partners, uh, didn't really work until, uh, my accountability partner became my wife. Now I don't recommend that if, if a guy is, (laughs) if a guy is struggling with, uh, issues where his 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 partner is not okay with him using porn you may not want to be ultra open about that because they might leave you i mean that and that was the premise with my wife my wife was ready to leave me and and i was like okay well if i really care about this relationship maybe i need to reevaluate the way i deal with porn and i'm kind of in the opposite world where like there is absolutely no shame. Uh, there's no judgment, no limits um, on what I'm allowed to do. Um, right. I'm pretty much the extreme opposite. Not only am I allowed to look at porn, I'm allowed to have relationships with other people. And, you know, I, our relationship is entirely open. In that environment versus having come from, you know, a, a world where I personally believed I had an addiction to porn. Now that it's not off limits, I mean, I mostly just find porn kind of cheesy. Um, it can make a right. convenient visual aid, but it's not its not something I really focus that much on anymore. It's just, it's there, <laughs> but it's not that big a deal. Um, I mean, I, I get much more out of, you know, a relationship or an interaction with an actual person than, right. you know, a porn which is just usually very poorly acted anyway i mean it's 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 not very fulfilling um but when it was off limits i mean it was really hard you know to to limit myself from it right um and that's what i'm getting a, at right i mean also like the just the complete unrealistic um kind of narratives of porn production and and stuff and uh, don't get me wrong. It, you, you can, you can, but you can get into who, whatever you want to get into in the bedroom is your prerogative. But I mean, it's just, we, a lot of it had to do with me, like this idea of like over-sexualizing women and Which like, I think is more a result of that repression. <sighs> I think so. I think that's more uh, uh, something that results from the repression than it does the exposure. Because if anything, being more exposed to women's bodies and nudity 
and I remember always hearing, you know, well, you'll get desensitized to it. And to some extent, that's not entirely wrong. I am more desensitized to nudity than I used to be. But for me, context is everything because I can see a woman's body. And I mean, you know, at the beach and someone can be very, you know, skimpily dressed. And I don't think as much of it. I just see them as a woman. Um, Really, for me, when, you know, what what actually gets me um, turned on is context. You know, if somebody is... Mm -hmm you know, uh, expressing, you know, like an interest in me personally, that's, that's kind of what, and I think that's a more healthy view of sexuality in general. For sure. I think the repression is what actually causes us to over-sexualize, um, just nudity in general. Right. JJ? Um, I mean, I agree. I love porn. (laughs) (laughs) but it's a very specific category of porn and I will go through 50 tabs until I find it and it is uh... wait let me guess (laughs) Um... please go on do tell (laughs) (laughs) I am I only is it determinism porn yeah (laughs) she couldn't help it he could. It's all, no, philo- it's all <laughs> philosophical. It's all really philosophical hard to find porn. that script. Oh man, that's uh, that CNC stuff is terrible. Um, <laughs> is, is it like? Are there are there char- like philosophical characters in it? Like is it yeah, all based it, it, off it, it, of? <laughs> it's a uh, flato, you know, um, <laughs> and uh, erectionies. The uh, <laughs> the. The only kind I like is when I find, and I'm like I really, really judge it. Find porn where people are doing things that they're actually enjoying. Like yes. if there is the remotest sense that I get that they are just there to act a role out, I am very. It's immersion breaking. Uh, yeah. It's insane. Um, in fact, like like ninety nine percent of it, it's. It's so fake. I I can't get into it. Yep. Um, I mean, I would I would have I would be much more turned on by somebody personally sending me a risky photo that's not even entirely nude than the most explicit porn. Absolutely. Right. Again, yeah. context is that everything. makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. For you know, sure, I'm interested man. in the idea of being you know invested in the experience for the right. sake and, of the experience. And somebody being interested in you personally. Right. Um, and it being authentic and real and not just acted. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my take on it. And I don't... I think that there is a ton of unethical porn out there. Oh, absolutely. And I think that existing in a society where people have to perform pornographic acts, you know, for entertainment is still a type of duress. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm much more interested in sites like OnlyFans, mm-hmm. but even there you run into some problems. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's also kind of immersive and breaking for me. I think that if you have to, there's... If you want to have sex and you make money doing it, that's a different beast than 
you like sex, but you have to make money doing it. <laughs> yeah, which is that, just that was always of... a big thing too for me was like the more that I, you know, and that was a big part that helped me like turn away from a lot of it was like knowing the truth about a lot of pornography industry. And this is prior to, you know, the OnlyFans boom and stuff. But, you know, how uh, drugged up a lot of women would have to make themselves. And, and the the more documentaries and the horror stories I heard from women that were in the industry, it was just kind of like, how could how could I be OK with that? And uh, I mean, and to be fair, there are people that do do it and enjoy it. Yep. Right. Just like with any job, you know, you're going to have people that absolutely hate their job. Raising my hand right now, you just can't see it. And go to work, you know, not not looking forward to it, but not absolutely hating it. Or you just, you, 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 I would quit if it were too much, but I don't necessarily enjoy my job. I don't go there because I think it's fun. I go there because I need the money. Um, I mean, there are people that do that, but then there are people who really do enjoy their work and they do sex work of some form and they're not being abused. They're actually doing what they love doing and they're making money and then you've got you know the other extreme where someone's straight up being exploited and manipulated and that happens in in many industries as well i mean you have sweatshops in third world countries um i mean there there can be abuse in any kind of a job um but that doesn't mean that every instance of it is abusive yeah but knowing the context it, it, that's a big danger and that's not as big of a danger now than it was in the past but it is easier but it's still right. it's still hard to it's hard to parse out in many 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 cases right. the the context of the content that you are consuming right i've Unless actually you i have the person <laughs> i have <laughs> friends that apparently like uh, i had a friend who was telling me about some guy that he went to high school with that like just kind of he was getting it heavy into drugs and kind of like f just disappeared and then next thing he knows uh a friend of his a fr you know another friend sent him a video of this kid they knew like getting gang banged and then that you know this like he completely went missing no connection to family Missing persons reports done, and then a pornographic video popped up of him with a bunch right. of guys, you know, being really rough with him. That's and, that's a whole topic that we might maybe should save. For yeah, like an, and that's, we're kind of we're kind of diverging off onto yeah, another subject. This is the, a big rabbit hole, but all things are rabbit holes. Yeah, what's yeah. that? Uh, what's that joke? It's like if you cl keep clicking on the definitions in Wikipedia articles. Eventually, you end at philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it's a thing. Like, you can go to any Wikipedia article, and you start clicking, like, the link. It's like, it's like you click on, you know, if I go to the article that I have open for uh, the Arizona, or the uh, Atlanta spa shootings. And I, there's a Wikipedia article on it. And then we've got the first thing is there is mass shootings, mass shooting incident involving gun violence, 
Gun violence. Violence committed with the use of a gun. Firearm. Firearm is a type of gun. Gun is a ranged weapon. A weapon is any weapon. A weapon is any such as hunting. Like wildlife. Animal. multi It takes a while, but eventually, by clicking on this link, you end up at philosophy. Mm. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about, like, intent, and, like, it's hard to kind of, you know, discern what the intent of what you're consuming is. So I'll, let me take us back to rub maps. I was able to look up all three of these shooting locations in rub maps. And how I kind of confirm that, just to make sure that they're not like some other location, is the two shootings that occurred in the city of Atlanta proper mm-hmm. were right across the street. And so are the ones in rub maps with the same names. Mm-hmm. Now, there is an important rule in the internet. Thomas, Eli, I'm sure you both know Rule 34. If it exists, there's porn of it. Is that, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> or if it can be thought of, there's porn of it. Now, that means in a lot of porn, it's not pictures or videos. There is a respectable minority of content that is just written word. Right. right. There is no way, because w- clicking on this, you can click on one of these sites. It says leave a review. The Gold Spa, which is one of the shooting sites in Atlanta, Georgia, has 108 reviews on rub maps where fantasy meets reality. Mm-hmm. If you okay. click on one of the reviews to look at the review, though, you get a pop-up. It says, click here and get instant access to this review. Go premium, <laughs> only nineteen ninety-five a month. You can get 12 uh, months for 150 A $30 savings. It's so fancy. Interesting. You cannot read any of the reviews. And it's entirely possible that all of these reviews are essentially erotic fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, wow. Right, true. And I am not going to pay any money to this website. Um, And even if I could, it would not tell me if these reviews are true or not. Right. Because they're users submitted, so there's no way to verify. So, that. did what was rub was this Rub Maps website part of the whole deal? Was this something that popped up in the articles at all? Um, I feel I haven't come across this when we were doing this last week. I came across an article that mentioned Rub Maps, right? Okay, but I haven't come across that same article here yet. It doesn't. I mean, there are literally hundreds of articles at this point. Right, and I didn't yeah. put a, and I didn't yeah. put a pin in it, but I'm delving into them right now, and there's there's just article after article, and I can't yeah. find the ones I was looking at before. But that's it's, fascinating. You know, we we walk an interesting line because by making this claim that these massage parlors were places where the clearly this disturbed person who killed people and needs to have consequences. Mm-hmm attended, had a sex addiction, we are making the implicit assumption that these were massage parlors. Or... And and that could be propagating the stereotype. 
It could. Um, Or we could also make the assumption that he was making that assumption. Right. That's see, that's, you know, that would be fascinating thought that he could have just been partaking of specific reviews on the websites. But I mean, they've, they have in fact proven he has been an attendant. He's attended some of these locations. But we don't know if they actually performed anything. Maybe that's what drove him. Maybe it was just a normal (laughs) massage. Yeah. Maybe he's an incel. And then, and then after he gets his massage, he gets in his car and he, you know, squeezes a bunch out on the way back to his drive to his house because he's so revved up because of his fetishization when the massage parlors were perfectly legitimate. Right. And I also, I mean, on the one hand, I, if they, if these places do, you know, what, what is alleged, I also want to be careful not to shame that because I don't think that that's something that should be illegal or wrong or considered wrong. But at the same time, we don't want to assume that either and attach that stigma because we can't verify if that's even true. And we don't know if they agree with that. Right. Uh That's an interesting approach to all of it. But I I did, and I can't find it now. I've been looking for it. I did remember seeing something where, didn't he call somebody from his church? Ooh, I've not seen that. I'm not sure about that. I think uh, that might have been, I think it might have been the case. I think there might have been I say that a he brief did, I don't statement about him calling somebody, but I don't know. Because uh, he felt guilty about his sex addiction. Um now well, he has been to a religious halfway house to seek treatment for again quote unquote sexual sex addiction. addiction right um, and we, okay and that's another big thing anytime that you get into uh i don't know if you guys know the term but i would i would consider it a parachurch ministry where it's a it's technically not a uh, it's a ministry. It's not a church. It's like another, it's a separate religious organization, um, mm-hmm. that doesn't function under like the normalcy of a church, but they mm-hmm. deal within like a niche program. Uh, there are a lot of faith-based drug rehabilitations and they even take people, um, on the grounds of sexual addiction. Right. You're uh, absolutely and, right. So, and conversion and therapy. I was going to say that right. too. I mean, Eli, mm-hmm. if you think about, like the least sexual um, role in any kind of a church. Um, like the, think of a Catholic priest, they're celibate, right? Yeah. What stereotype do you attach to Catholic priests? Um, well, I mean, what's been modernly, what I modernly think of now is that they're, uh, they're definitely not celibate. <laughs> they're, right. uh, they're doing some really nasty stuff. I just recently watched a, a thing on Netflix called The Keepers, and uh, it's a big ordeal of a nun that got murdered and and like a big cover up at a a, a Catholic girl school, and whew, it's rough. Um, I mean, if if I remember right, because it's been a while since I've looked into it, um, I I'm pretty sure that uh, I know porn consumption correlates with religiosity i'm pretty sure that sexual assault does as well you're probably right there i mean that's a that's a very commonplace thing uh and you hate to hear it i mean domestic abuse is a big thing in religious organizations 
Uh, there are many churches in the South. I have been to churches. I have spoken to church leaders who have um, said that, you know, domestic violence is not an excuse, is not permissible um, offense for divorce, which is disgusting. That's that is disgusting. But I've heard it. I've heard it come out of leaders mouths. And, uh, you know, to me, it's like now I've I have in the past tried to d deal with people that were in, a you know, relationships where domestic abuse was happening. But it was more along the lines of, listen, y'all, you know, this can't happen anymore. If it does happen again, there will be a posse coming. Right. But, you know, it was never under the terms of, you know, a woman couldn't get out if she didn't want to. And that's, man, um, that's my big beef with all of this, because everybody said, this is a hate crime, this is a hate crime, this is a hate crime, whereas I'm saying, I don't think this is a hate crime. I think this is a religious extremism, and uh, it intermingled with the evangelical worship of uh, God, guns, and girls. Uh, is I don't the, know that it's entirely out of line to say it's religious terrorism. Totally, yeah. totally. And, and whether he he considered it that way or not, his his concept was he needed to he wanted to eliminate the problem. This was a temptation for him, and he wanted to eliminate the problem. Right, well, which, which brings me back to oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say we don't know all the details yet either. We don't know his mental state. Um, and that, that's it. Brings me back like. You know, knowing that he had this problem, as I said, he could have, you know, got a perfectly normal massage from someone he's fetishizing. Right. And then... Felt guilty. Felt guilty. Sec behaved in a sexually deviant manner, according to his mindset, on his drive right. home. And that would have been enough for the religious oppression and, and the, re like the, the religious cognitive dissonance that he was experiencing to yeah. motivate it. Like, I... It's... It is and he also is as he has also Lee also admitted that he's a fan of guns. He loves guns. Um, oh yeah, and that, insects. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's a big there now. There's not a lot of repression issues on guns in the evangelical <laughs> church, unfortunately, um, which has always confounded me. But um, yeah, I mean. This is this is what I'm talking about. It feels like maybe we need to. Yes, racism is an issue and is a problem, and maybe we do need to deal with the way that Asian people are depicted or stereotyped. I am. I totally agree with all of that, but I think there is a much bigger elephant in the room that's not being talked about, and it is uh, these. You know, is evangelicalism radicalizing people you know I, i've go ahead i just wanted to say like it could be i think it is very possible that it includes a racial motivation because i think yeah but is it it's, it's a yeah counts. but it's just like sexual preference thing it's it's that fetish which is thing. also Man. another form of objectification <laughs> it's not it's that's i mean that is 
actually just a form of objectifying somebody right. is, is fetishizing them for their, you know, their ethnicity, um, which again, for myself, um, that objectifying habit really kind of started to go away whenever sex was on the table. Like it wasn't right. off limits. And then I just, I guess, you know, maybe just being more exposed to people, um, being more exposed to sex and interacting with people and not putting any kind of artificial limitations on, um, rela- you know, relationships forming right. where they can. I just, I just, I view people more as people now than I used to. I like, there mm-hmm. was just like this great big hypersexualized drive in me. That's right. just not there anymore because it's, I, I'm, I'm acclimated. I'm, right. I'm allowed to be sexual. It's not off limits. But where's the line between that and like, just preference you know like visual preference dude that's a gigantic can of worms (laughs) and if you're gonna draw a line there where's the line between that and genital preference yeah i mean like genital preference is a thing it is um i got a question and it's the reason i think i ultimately agree with you eli that that we should really focus on the religious religious extremism here if let's say we had this guy and we could reach into his life and pluck something out, which thing would we take out that would prevent the most harm? If we reached in, mm. let's just assume that this guy is racist. Like he was, you know, he was indeed objectifying these Asian women. And we pluck that out, but we leave in the religious extremism. I feel that that still poses a greater risk than if we pluck out the religious extremism and leave in the fact that at that point he just finds himself attracted to Asian women and the, like, unhealthily objectifies them. I feel like one of those two is still going to end, is more likely to end in violence. Because one of those two, it's he puts his very infinite existence at risk. Yes. Yes. Like that's, this guy believes it. that what he is compulsively unable to stop doing is going to end him forever. He will suffer infinitely because he can't control himself. And he's got to stop that. Well, and... I think it, I wouldn't even say it's necessary. He does come from a Baptist church and Baptist churches tend to be kind of once saved off, always saved kind of uh, doctrine. Or you were Except never saved that, in the first place. That's oh, yes. the thing is if you're never saved, then you never went through that transformation. Right. So, and that's, that's often the, you know, the, the catch too. So every time you sin, you could either be like, well, God still mm-hmm. loves me. Or you could be like, I was is any of this place. real for me? Am am I a complete phony and fake? Uh, a big part of it too is in my life. It wasn't a matter of am I a phony or fake necessarily, but me and the here and now is garbage. You know, like I I'm just a garbage yeah. person, and that's a major. Aspect and of I'm it. not. I can't like the things that I'm passionate about wanting to help people in specific ways those things go out the window because i'm unqualified because of this issue in my life 
you know the the and that's probably has a lot to do with it this guy apparently from like reports from friends and roommates he he was very passionate about his faith and his beliefs and uh he was very kind and considerate and never said there was never any kind of like racial comments ever made by him um and then there's this little hidden place in his life that and it's not necessarily you know and it's like you said if we just plucked it all plucked one thing out like well once you no longer feel repressed once you no longer have to repress these feelings right Exactly. What does it matter I mean, anymore? Right. That's, I mean, that's exactly what you talked about, like the, you know, the putting you down, uh, that mindset of, of constantly breaking you down and making you think that you're not good enough. Um, that spilled over after I left religion, that spilled over into my relationship um, with my current partner, who I've, uh, uh, she's helped me work through a lot of that, but like anytime she would point out or make a criticism of something I wasn't doing that I should be doing better. Um, I mean, I would instantly go into this self attack mode of I'm just a horrible person. I, I'm not good enough. And why does anybody, you know, why would anybody love me? Um, that's something that was basically programmed into me and that that's incredibly damaging, but it's something that the church does by its nature because you, you're supposed to be broken down so that you'll, you know, turn to Jesus to save you from yourself. Um, and yeah, that that plucking out the um, the repressive acts aspect uh, absolutely does make because, like we talked about, if you could pluck one aspect out of out of this person's life, what would do you know make the biggest impact? And for myself, having left religion was a pretty big deal to me. But after I started working on my views about sexuality, I feel like that's probably the single biggest. Um, impact on my life anything has ever made uh just reforming my ideas and becoming okay with sex and just changing my mindset about it and building my ethics on consequences Uh instead of on purity um i mean that's probably the single biggest thing that i've done to make myself a healthier happier person i would agree with you totally and i i i think that is what changed in my life and when i gave up porn it was no longer about you know what we're talking about it was about consequences and and the and i mean that's a whole other can of worms is my wife's <laughs> views on pornography right or wrong i'm not here to debate that but once it came once it was really just is my wife more important than this thing uh you know that was the big determining factor. <laughs> you know, I, I literally wasn't able to give it up no matter how much it like, how spiritually involved I was with whatever, or how, how much I poured into praying or fasting or, or studying or, uh, uh, being parts of ministries or, you know, like this guy went to a program, he went to a halfway house or a program and, you know, I, I did a lot of stuff like that, but none of it worked. I, I, w- I, bl- I practiced um, what's called flat, I guess, flatulence at one time, which is <laughs> uh, the, the term. It, it does not mean farting in the, in the context <laughs> I'm using. It means self uh, 
like self-torture essentially i mean it's like beating mm. the shit out of myself i used to beat myself mm. with a coat hanger and uh, i put a cig i put a cigarette out on my face once um Jeez. because of this uh, like issue because of my struggle with this stuff and i right. think what a lot of it did was the negative connotations of all of it the taboos of it all of the fear of uh, around it all of the implications of what it made me made me obsess over it more Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just caused the problem to be ever present in my life. And it caused my impulses to be ever present in my life. And uh, I, I couldn't trust myself. I couldn't trust myself at all. And uh, man, I don't I don't know. It's a that's that's a wild thing. And, it, and I, I totally agree. I think consequences basing your life off of. Uh, natural consequences is probably way healthier than um, a bunch of laws that were wrote thousands of years ago (laughs) um, (laughs) that we cannot understand the context of. And they very well could have just been made up by some people to, uh, you know, control some other people. (laughs) So right. I think I think that's a great way to look at it, and uh, it, you know if you know I still hold I hold Christian values still kinda, but it's it's a lot less. Does it have to do with like God's laws, and has a lot more to do with like what are the actual consequences of these things? What are the the natural or what's healthy, what's unhealthy. Right. And, 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 uh, uh, that's been a much bigger help to my life. My marriage has gotten so much better. This is the weird part. My marriage has gotten way, way better since I left church. (laughs) That's not what they tell you. Yeah. And I have no, I don't really have a lot of, a lot else going on. Everything else in life is kind of, ugh, but, my family life has never been better. And uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> um, I, I mean, mine has. <laughs> right. I, I, for sure. Um, 100%. Do, but, uh, yeah. do, my big thing is, are his religious leaders to blame? Are his, like, who is to blame in the, uh, the, the 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 raising up of this young man that he got to this place here's another thing i've been thinking about but i would say if you want to assign blame somewhere i would probably assign it on the ideas themselves maybe not right. necessarily the people because i f- i feel like a lot of the people that propagate the ideas are victims of them as well here's here's what here's what strikes me as interesting we do not hear any implications i and i've went through quite a bit i've not i've seen stuff about him being depressed um having issues like that having issues where he's self-deprecating but i've not heard anything about suicidal issues so i'm not sure here's the thing about me like i always led like that was the bigger issue for me like harming myself being like suicidal thoughts 
those things were a much bigger thing. But here's the thing. If he is extremely religious, there is a commonplace ideology, especially in evangelicalism. You hear it constantly from young people. I've went to I have went to I have debated young people on this subject and I have stood on stages at Christian venues and churches and said there's nothing in the Bible that says if you commit suicide you're going to hell. But that is a commonplace teaching in evangelicalism. And I'm like I would love for you to show me in the Bible where it says that or even implies it um, because it's just a very kind of like weird. It's this really strange, weird rationalism that does that, uh, that, that makes people think that. But I wonder if that was his thought process was, well, I can't kill myself because I'm going to go to hell. But if I murder these people, God will forgive me. I don't know. I, I wonder if that's the thought process here. Because, I mean, like, I could not, I can't, I can't understand how he got to that conclusion. I could understand a lot of things, but not the fact that he's willing to go shoot up a place uh, and that's why my uh, my considerations of his mental health have to be in question i mean but i would say that that's yeah. probably a commonplace thing and with anybody who uh is involved in evangelicalism i think your mental health is going to be uh compromised for sure i think that's probably a good place to kind of wrap up for the night what uh, do you think jj last thoughts um like there's still a lot to tackle like one of the things that we need to tackle is the relationship between religious extremism and racism through american history mm -hmm. but that's its own episode oh because let's do, let's do that episode soon because man that is where i get like i get <laughs> excited talking about that i am like a, i'm a hardcore researcher into like nazi occultism and arianism and I would argue that those kinds of ideas are kind of the core fundamentals of what you're talking about. Like, you think that this esotericism, religion wouldn't be racist if that didn't exist? I don't know if it would be uh, necessarily not racist, but I think that that is like pouring uh, napalm on a bonfire. I, Boy, <laughs> I, I just see the I could see the rabbit hole in the distance. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, like <laughs> there, it, it's difficult to say that with confidence that this guy wasn't racially motivated. Yeah, and, although I don't think it was like racially motivated in the sense of hating Asian people as much as maybe fetish fetishizing them possibly I'm not sure I wanted to we, we we win all this episode and we have to stress this investigation is ongoing as to the motive right right and uh -huh. based upon what they determine will determine Georgia does have a state hate crime law uh -huh. and the investigation will determine if this meets the merits of that legal status of being a hate crime um you know, I think that there is a 
an arguably easier charge to say that this is religious terrorism, and it very well could be both. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's an interesting thought. I don't want to say that you can't, uh, you can't leave that out. Like, because growing up in the South, uh, interracial relationships, whether you're in a, um, you know, that's a big deal. That is a huge deal, even in places that aren't necessarily quote unquote racist. It's racist. Right. They just don't realize they're racist. Oh, they're, they're still sundown towns. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, <laughs> it's a commonplace thing. If you grow up in the church, you're going to hear somebody talk about interracial relationships being sinful. You're going to hear somebody talk about oh, it. Oh, I heard about it. At, uh, I got invited to a church. It was, man, it's been a long time. This was back before I think I had kids. But they invited, it was after I was an atheist, and, and we talk a lot, and like, you know, mm. kind of like our conversations here were very civil. It wasn't caustic or anything, and they were like, why don't you come to church with us? And I came to church, and the preacher was talking about Solomon, and how Solomon fell away from the Lord because of the lure of exotic <laughs> women. <laughs> and I looked yeah. at my friends, and I stood, oh, up has... in the mid- I stood up in the middle of the sermon, and I walked straight out of that church. Yeah, you should have been like, fuck this, and then walked out. But no, uh, yeah, that has nothing to do with the fact that he also like enslaved people to build his kingdom or uh, brought in arms from Egypt. You know, those are the things. There are so many other nuances in the scripture there. You mean he was doing the same thing as kings that were doing all in that area we're doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was. (laughs) That was the whole. There is a premise before. uh, I I I think it's actually before they entered the promised land. Now there's like, now here's a bunch of laws that you gotta. These are things you gotta follow. Don't bring in horses from Egypt. Don't bring in slave labor. There are all these very weird, nuanced, specific things early in the Exodus story that when Solomon comes to power, he's doing great. And then it literally goes through the, those things verbatim. And the, the wives thing is like a side note. The concubine thing is a side note. Um, it's just evangelicalism trying to keep women, uh, enslaved, you know? Uh, Yeah. What's the reference to not bringing slaves from Egypt? I'm sure it exists. Well, the, uh, I don't think it necessarily says bringing slaves to Egypt. It does mention sl- using slave labor. Like but, slaves are okay in the Old Testament. Yeah. But, but not to build the temple? Yeah, I think that was essentially the thing. Uh, using slaves to build the temple. Um, the big thing that for sure it says about Egypt is don't bring in chariots from Egypt. Uh, chariots are... Uh, uh, a war um, vehicle, you know, it it was very much about growing your army and building a military complex. And, you know, uh, and, and yeah, you know, that's all debatable. People will debate that, but those are things that never got talked about. It was always the women. I heard it constantly. I, the, the church that I was programmed in the, that I was at five years that I'm like, Hey, this is a cult. I've heard from the I've heard from the pulpit the pastor say that interracial marriage is okay, and then 
a couple years, you know, well, not a couple, five, six years down the road, find out that uh, certain people that left the church because they were in a interracial, they were the the chick was wanting to get married to a black guy. He disowned her. He she was living in the home with this pastor, and he kicked her out because her marrying a black guy would ruin her testimony, quote unquote. And, and and it's easy to see the intersectionality of racism and sexism mm-hmm. of religion. Yeah, like it was exotic women. Yeah, race and, and all, racial disparities. Yeah, right. birth um, of the nation. Birth of a nation. Anyone? You know, at some point, I think we should <laughs> we, we should unpack that relationship between the history of religion and how it has impacted racism, both in you know whatever positive and negative lights that that has happened. Because the people that were abolitionists in America, very religious people, right. yeah, for sure, and would tell you that they were motivated by their religion. I think a big, the more commonplace thing is is that um, people of color were often demonized, and the pr- the premise often used. Uh, I've I've read some stuff that's talked about a magazine and a cult mysticism magazine that Hitler was into that was like it was like birth of a nation stuff where it was like the women are so horny they're gonna go sleep with uh other races and it's gonna destroy the racial purity and and stuff like that and I mean some wild stuff man that that the propaganda in Germany uh, that people don't talk about that's very, I mean, it, it, it would blow your mind. It's fascinating. Uh, I think that's a good place <laughs> to call it a night. <laughs> and let's talk about racism and religion. I would love to talk about that. That gets we'll me, like, you don't, that gets my, that gives me goosebumps. Like, uh, because I'm so fascinated with Nazi occultism not in a, like a way like I'm for it. It's like how Nazi occultism took over the country uh, and, the, and how they use mysticism. Sorry. Eli. I'm just, I get I so, love you. I, I love talking about weird <laughs> shit. Esoteric stuff, huh? <laughs> I love that weird shit. Three hours later. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. Voice. All right. Fun episode, um, guys. Thank you. I just want to mention a couple of things, too, for the listeners, because um, we are trying to do some some new things to kind of build a community. Uh, we have a Facebook page. If you want to go and just like the Facebook page, uh, we make announcements of, you know, uh, upcoming uh, episodes. Uh, we'll ask questions on there. Um, you can always comment and have discussions on the Facebook page. Um, so that's something if you're not already uh, uh, a fan of that go ahead just click on the like button uh, just search for analyze podcast on facebook you should be able to find that um, and then we have been kind of playing with uh, the idea of, of creating like a discord uh, chat community um, if you're interested in that i will try to make a facebook post and just see if uh, anyone wants to respond to it or if you just want to private message us um, by all means free, feel free to do that i be kind of curious to see if we could kind of start forming like a discussion group for uh 
uh, more of a community of listeners where we can kind of bounce ideas and, and discuss things and then uh, get those get those on the show as topics. Uh, for the Patreon, uh, where we're doing uh, the Patreon-exclusive content, I'm going to be doing some rearranging of the pricing. So uh, right now it's currently at $5. I'm going to play with different tiers, uh, but I think I'm going to set the entry-level tier at $2 a month. So um, super cheap. It'd be a good way to get uh, access to... Uh, all of the exclusive stuff there and uh, kind of uh, join the community that way because you can also have discussions in there um, also uh, if you're even if you're not listening to us on Apple Podcasts if you if you want to do us the favor of going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a good review that helps our rating uh, so we can actually get the show out there to more people uh, so we definitely appreciate that if you're interested in becoming a guest on the show of course you can go to the analyzedpodcast.com website click on the become a guest link um and from the site there too you can also get to the patreon uh, from there i'm also going to try to build in links to uh the discord group that i'm creating and uh, i'll put a link to the facebook on there as well uh here pretty soon um but otherwise uh thank you for joining us uh we look forward to talking with you next time see ya